What's up, brother? And welcome to the Becoming Kings podcast. I'm Johnny King, and I'm a life enthusiast, growth mentor, and men's lifestyle fulfillment coach. I've dedicated my life to helping men who feel like they're just not living up to their full potential to level up and become the king of their kingdoms. So whether you've been feeling stuck or numb or extremely angry with not living up to your greatest potential in any area of your life, then I'll be in your ears every week dropping some truly transformative episodes to help you become a man that you're proud to be. I'm glad you're here. Let's get to it. What's up, everybody? It's Johnny King with another episode of the Becoming Kings podcast. And I am just so fortunate to have yet again another uh, amazing guest with us today on the podcast, Jennings Hester. What's up, man? How are you? Good. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm, uh, we're both hailing from Colorado, good old Denver, Colorado. You're just probably, you, you could be around the corner for all I know. <laughs> I might be. You may have seen my dog escape. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, is that Jennings there? You know, yeah. down the street. Yeah. 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 You and me both. You and me both with our with our uh, German Shepherd pups. But uh, man, I'm just so grateful to have been connected with you because you've got an amazing story, one that's so relevant, so good, especially for men, which is kind of what this podcast is geared towards. Even though that I'm, there's still plenty of women that listen, um, but I'd love to kind of jump into your story about uh not only your nonprofit that that you've got uh going on but also just your football you know story and kind of just your your evolution as a man as you've kind of navigated the, the crazy waters of trying to figure out what that even means to be <laughs> a man yeah, in, no. in today's day and age right so yep. tell, tell those that are listening and, and watching um a little bit more about your background and Alabama and everything else. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So uh, I grew up in the South. I grew up in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, you know, football's king down there. It's literally a religion, just like it is in Texas. So uh, from the time I was uh, eight years old until I was 22, I was an inside linebacker uh, at a very competitive level. And, uh, you know, that's really what drove everything that I did in my life um, and, until I finished playing. And um, so I went to a very good high school called Marist. We were a top five program in the country, um, very competitive. Most of the guys in my class went on to play college ball. Um, we ended up uh, losing in state in the biggest division. Um, I was all state, so were most of my teammates, and um, ended up being uh, a member of Nick Saban's first signing class. So when he took the job at Alabama, I was one of his first scholarship athletes that he, that he signed. Um, it was a pretty easy decision uh, to, to go where Nick Saban was going and have a shot, hopefully, at the next level. That was the goal. Um, you know, I was 6'3", 255, um, you know, NFL size guy um, and, you know, considered one of the toughest and meanest and baddest guys, you know, in the state. And, um, you know, my my whole life through college had been just focused on football stats. What was my bench? What was my 40? How many tackles did I have? That's how I judged myself. You know, there was no intrinsic self-worth. It was all just based on statistics. And um, towards, uh, towards the end of high school, I started dealing with some pretty severe depression and anxiety. And like most men, I, I didn't realize I was dealing with a mental illness. Um, I just thought that's how you feel and that I was just being soft for having these thoughts and, and being a wuss. And, you know, it, it goes with that football culture, right? It's, you know, I don't know how many surgeries I've had, you know, brush it off, take a, take a pain med, get back on the field um, type of mentality. So mm -hmm. that's just, I, I never knew anything was actually wrong. Um, I thought everyone was feeling the same things. And uh, three years into my college career, I ended up on a medical scholarship. I got hurt. So um, I tore my hamstring basically in half mm. and uh, just couldn't keep going. I tried, but uh, finally Coach Saban and I decided that that'd be the best, best path for me. And, uh, you know, once I didn't have football anymore uh, and that was pulled away, uh, my mental illness has just spiraled yeah. um, out of control for, yeah. you know, the next eight or so years. And um, I'd always had that crutch. 
And, you know, that was always how I took my focus off what I was really dealing with. And, you know, that continued into my professional life as a salesman, you know, was all right, now I'm just going to focus on my quota and, you know, blowing my numbers out and being the best rep. And, uh, you know, eventually my depression and anxiety got so bad towards my late twenties that I lost a job from it and, um, you know, spiraled into some serious financial hardships, um, with the mortgage and, and everything else. And I got to a point where my family and girlfriend just couldn't be around me and finally, you know, basically dragged me to get help, which is pretty normal. You know, I mean, most the average time between symptoms of a mental illness and seeking help for a man is a decade. And in that decade, there's a lot of substance abuse. It's a lot of violence. Um, you know, men act out behaviorally when they're, when they're coping with these symptoms compared to women. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why we see the mass shootings. That's why yep. men are four times more likely to take their own lives. That's why they make up 83% of suicides and only 20% of people that are treated. Yep. So, you know, I was that classic story, you know, and in that time span, there was certainly suicide ideation and, you know, things could have gone a different way very, very easily, you know, as, as they do for many men. And, um, so I finally started getting some help and, uh, nature became a huge part of my recovery. Uh, just the, the peace that it brought, uh, the stressors being pushed away, uh, started backpacking the Appalachian trail a lot, um, grabbed a fly rod at some point. And, you know, that combined with counseling and medication, turned my life around and just improved my quality of life. And for the first time in my life, I was able to think clearly. I was able to be sharp. Um, My cognitive function came back. I wasn't tearing myself down internally all the time. Um, And so I moved West because I wanted to be closer to all of it. Mm. And, um, you know, from there I got more into fishing and had even more access to the outdoors and, um, you know, it eventually led to founding this organization, Fishing the Good Fight. Fishing the Good Fight, which is, tell, yeah, tell a little bit more about the organization, even what you guys are doing. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. So we're a nonprofit, as you mentioned. Uh, our mission is improving all lives by serving men facing mental health challenges. Mm-hmm. And so I started tying my own flies and that became another really help, healthy outlet for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, just the mindfulness, the presence it requires, the focus. It's an art. It's, it's an art. Yeah. It's just like painting or, you know, and there's a million healthy, healthy outlets that, that men can utilize, you know, when, when coping with symptoms versus the unhealthy outlets that most of us choose. Um, but um, people started asking me if I sold them and I said, you know, maybe, maybe I can, and I can use these funds to do something good. And we didn't know what that was going to be at first. And here we are two years later and, you know, we've really, dialed it down to raising awareness about men's mental health, uh, reducing the stigma associated with it and providing resources for men in need. Um, so we utilize fly fishing. Uh, we, we basically believe in a triangle towards mental well, mental well being. So for us, it's a healthy therapeutic outlet, which is fly fishing. It's counseling or therapy. And it's a, it's a community of men that support each other. Yep. And so we take men on retreats um, for a full weekend. We give them fly fishing instruction. We run mental health group sessions by a licensed clinician. Um, and they have a whole new community of guys they can be comfortable with. And they know they can talk to about these issues and, and the struggles, struggles they're dealing with. And, you know, what we find is it doesn't matter the background of the guy. It doesn't matter socioeconomics. Uh, race, uh, profession, you name it. It doesn't matter. Everyone's dealing with the same challenges. It's different scales um, for guys, you know, in terms of what they're dealing with, how long they've been dealing with it. Um, But we see everything, you know, it's from a guy that's struggling with a recent divorce to a guy that has severe bipolar, you know, or severe depression and suicide ideation. So we bring those guys together and we give them ways to to deal with it and the resources to, to improve. There's, there's power to, I, I believe at least guys realizing a, they're not alone, you know? And, and like, there's, there's something you almost would wonder, it's like, Oh, if, if you were to bring two drug addicts together, they would potentially make things even worse. Right. But when it comes to healing, it seems like when you bring people together who are 
clearly they're focused on healing, but they're like, oh, there's there's a level of healing that starts off or like starts to chip away at that kind of exterior shell of like, oh, I'm not the only one that's mm-hmm. quote unquote, you know, hurting. And with your vulnerability allows me to have vulnerability and empathy for myself. And that all of it, I feel like turns into a lot of, yeah, healing forward progress. Would you say that's what you see in, in the retreats you do and the work that you've done? Uh, absolutely. I mean, you know, there's still so much stigma around the term therapy yeah. with men, you know, and so, so many guys have never experienced anything like this. And they're coming to these retreats, knowing what they're getting into. Um, they know that's what's going to happen. And they hear testimonials from past participants and, um, and from our therapists just talking about the experience. And, you know, we start every retreat with me sharing my own story and then letting everyone else introduce themselves. And just from them hearing me open up, you know, as the founder and as the guy leading this retreat, um, the guys open up and most of them have never had a setting where they feel comfortable doing that. And, you know, they see a guy that was a, a linebacker at Alabama, and then they hear a vet that's 6'6", 265, that's a total badass, you know, breakdown. And all of a sudden, everybody's comfortable doing it. And, you know, these are guys that have never met each other. They don't know each other. But in our first session, it's it's the first path towards healing. It's just is sharing those things that have been weighing on them for a lot of people for decades, you know, and just... taking the time to put words to those emotions alone is a powerful part of the healing process that these guys experience. Mm -hmm. I want to go back to, you know, when when you said you just kind of started noticing depression creeping into your experience as a young teenager, I guess you said, right? Mm -hmm. 12, 13. So you said late teen. Yeah. Late teens. Yeah. Oh, late teens. Okay. Um, so you got through high school without it, what, but any thought as to like where it's uh, not so much even to focus on like the, the origin of it, but what, what was the environment like that kind of started allowing it to come to the surface and was it always there or was it something that just the perfect storm and. Yeah, it's, it's a good question. It's, it's a tough one. You know, mental illness is, is always a combination of societal influences, um, experiences and brain chemistry, you know? So, uh, in my case, I think it was just kind of the perfect storm. Um, I was in a very high pressure environment, uh, very competitive environment. Um, you know, my school, even if you weren't moving on to the next level, which most of us were, you were, you know, some kind of high accolade, you know, student going to Duke, you know, or Dartmouth or something. Um, so there's a lot of pressure there and, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of expectations in terms of just how you dress, how you talk, you know, um, how you present yourself. Um, you know, so I think it's just a combination of all those expectations, my personal brain chemistry, um, yeah. And just life experience. Mm. Uh, but only, it only got worse, obviously. Right. Um, right. Would, would you say someone who maybe they're experiencing a guy that's listening to this, experiencing the beginning of that similar type of process, what would you have done differently knowing what you know now? Yeah. So knowing now, if, if, looking back on it, the way that I talked to myself was basically the first real warning sign. Um, you know, it's, you're a piece of shit, you know, you're, you're, you suck, you know, you're, you're just not good at anything. You're a bad friend. You're a bad family member. You know, you're bad in your relationships, despite all these achievement achievements, you know, um, on, on the field and and in the classroom, it's, if I, if I looked back now and, and seeing the social withdrawal that I experienced and the negative self thinking, those first warning signs would have directed me to see someone and, and get per, per professional help from then and probably could have, exp- you know, uh, not dealt with 12 plus years of agony. Mm. I feel like guys oftentimes they'll want to do things on their own. And I've had conversations about this and I feel like guys kind of fall into that uh, trap of thinking that they can work their way out of their own depression. Mm-hmm. Uh, would, would you say that's prevalent in the conversations that you have with, with men? 
Oh, hundred percent. And in my own experiences, you know, I, I remember when I was, before I was getting help, when it was really bad, it was the first time that I said, maybe I'm dealing with something here, you know, but I could, I can, I can fix this. Like I can, I can brush it off and, you know, just, and deal with it. And um, no, it's a hundred percent something that I, I encounter all the time with guys is, Oh, well, I'm, I'm not that bad. You know, I, I can, I can handle it. Like I'm not too bad. Well, it's only going to get worse, you know? And if you don't have the toolkit to change it, which is provided by professional counseling and therapy and sometimes medication, um, you're, you're not going to be able to overcome it. And, you know, for me, like I said earlier, my, my, the quality of life, the, how much it improved. I just, I can't say enough about it once I finally got help. Oh, I guess the challenge is though, it's like, <clears throat> I, I look at myself in my own experience too, that again, when we're not in those situations where we're not really steeped in that like darkness, it's, mm -hmm. it's easier obviously to be like, Oh, just, just reach out for help. Just, you know, pick up the phone, text a buddy. But when you're fucking in, in the shit, that's almost like the last thing I, I'm almost, almost enjoying the isolation and the pity party that I'm in my, myself. Right, right. So it's, it's almost like, um, again, telling an addict, like, you know, to pull themselves out of it. And they're like, I, I can't, you know? You so the question, so the question, I guess for me then becomes like getting around to other buddies and then maybe just having guys such as yourself or, or others that, that are able to see maybe the signs and, and have buddies that are aware enough to say, Hey man, like, how are you doing? Like, how are you really doing? Right. Exactly. Yeah. That's where it starts. Okay. Like, you know, this, this crisis of men's mental illness in the United States is not going to change unless men take steps to change it and men start supporting each other and men start having those uncomfortable conversations. Like you just mentioned, there's too many of us that what's up, dude, how you doing? Good. And that's it, you know, instead of, no, how are you really doing? You right. know, how are you actually doing? Like, right. if you're great, tell me why. If you're, if you're not, if you're not great, tell me why. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and that's a rule we have at our retreats. You can't say fine. You can't say great. If you do, you've got to explain it. Um, and, and that's, you know, that's, that's a level of accountability that men in this country have to take on their own shoulders mm -hmm. um, with their friends. And, you know, a lot of times I think it's that guys don't want to feel like a burden for their friends, right? They, when they finally do get some time with their buddies, they want to have some beer. They want to talk about the girl they just took out. You know, they want to talk about the game. They don't, they don't want to drag other guys down and say, no, man, I'm struggling to get out of bed. You know, I'm, I'm missing work. Like, um, you know, I, I haven't been hanging out with people. I have withdrawn. Like no one wants to feel like they're the pity party bringing the group down and, you know, that starts with those friends asking that question and showing that they care. Yeah. Right. I feel like what's, what's so fun for me with just being with the guys, whether we're talking high school, college sports for me to, to this day is like, I, I love being with the guys because there's no demands. We can sit around a fire. We can just shoot the shit and we can tell stories, you know, where, a lot of other times I feel like, uh, with work, with life, with having to provide being in relationships, there's, there's oftentimes just constant demands, you know, there's yep. the constant pressure you were talking about it earlier. I constantly feel that I put so much pressure on myself already. That if do. I find myself yeah. in a, in a relationship or I find myself in a work, in a work environment that has even more pressure, man, that's where I start to, to go into that dark place sometimes i'm like i don't know if i want to do this <laughs> i don't know if yeah. i want to even get out of bed right so there's some i feel like there's some correlation between that pressure you know either externally or internally that we're putting on ourselves that i feel like can be alleviated just by being in proximity to more guys that are emotionally aware and yeah and, and, and willing to, and willing to talk. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And that's what I love about the community that we've created is it's a community where guys will call each other and say, dude, my anxiety is out of control. Like I, I don't know what to do right now. 
you know, uh, I can't work. I can't think, um, much less, you know, getting out of bed's the biggest one of my day, you know, um, and it's beautiful, you know, having guys that are willing to have those conversations because if you don't have them, they build up and eventually it explodes. And it, it happens to me sometimes. And I'm about as emotionally aware as you'll find, you know, is even I'll let these things build up over time. And, you know, only a couple of weeks ago, my anxiety got to such a level and I don't typically deal with really bad anxiety. I deal with depression more than I deal with anxiety, but it got to such a bad level that I had to just call my boss in in my day job and just say, Hey man, I'm really struggling and I need to take a couple of days off. And I went fishing and I disconnected and I gave myself that time. But there's so many men that are, they're scared to say that, you know, it's, you can say you're going to the doctor or the dentist. You can't say I'm struggling with mental health. Mm-hmm. I need some time. Right. You know, and we've got to get to that point where that's okay. Uh, completely agree. And I feel like too, though, it also requires each of us to be uh, leaders <laughs> for ourselves. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I think our, our stories cross in the sense that too, I just was drawn towards the West, towards the mountains. And even now living in Denver, being in the city, I have to, I just feel the sense of like, man, I just, the, the energy of what en- the, the city is always pulling at me for, I have to go hike. I have to go camp. I have to get just driving. I can sense it. Right. You just get yeah. past, you know, golden and you're up into the mountains and you're just like, Oh, the energy. Uh, shift, right. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So the, the, the challenge though, I feel like, and why I say men to be leaders for themselves, is like, if let's say they live in a place that they don't have great, you know, proximity to nature, uh, or it's like, what, what can guys do if they don't necessarily have the, the healthy outlet of nature that's that we get, you know, we're afforded just because we live in Colorado. Yeah. I mean, I would argue that no matter where you live, there is access to nature, right? It may not be as, may not be to the scale, you know, that we get to enjoy out here, which is why we both moved. But, um, you know, there's, there's so much science behind the healing power of nature. Like it's not just something that's subjective anymore. Um, there's so much science around sight, hearing all the different senses, uh, and, and what nature does, um, towards reducing stress and, and improving your mental health. But if you don't have great access to, you know, easy access to nature, you've just got to find that happy place for you. You know, what, what is that outlet? You know, um, if I didn't have the access to nature for me, it would be my fly tying bench, you know, that's, and that's my other thing. And that's indoors, you know, and, um, I can sit down for two hours uninterrupted, focus on something that requires all my attention. Um, it is an art. So, you know, I get to work on every single fly that I make being a little bit better, you know, those tiny, tiny little details that I'm trying to improve on each time. So guys just have to find that outlet, you know, that healthy hobby, um, that requires presence and mindfulness and full attention. And, you know, I think that's one of the biggest keys is, is when you're thinking about kind of that, that happy place to sneak away, um, it needs to be something that requires, your utmost attention, you know, because if it doesn't, then you're going to let these stressors come in. Then you're going to let the emails, you you know, you're going to see the emails, you're going to see the texts. Um, You know, so I think that's the key is, is something that is really requires you to be fully present. Yeah. And I think when you were saying something earlier uh, in the conversation, I thought to myself, it's, it's very easy for me to rattle off all of the, the destructive ways to cope very mm-hmm. easy for me to think about what those are. If, if I were a guy and I wanted, I wasn't so much in this work, I'd be thinking like, what is a healthy outlet? You talked about healthy outlet. And we're talking about that a little bit now for me, for me, it's the gym. Me too. Know? That's my other one. Yeah. Yeah. But, but again, I'm, if I'm hitting it hard, which I haven't all year, I work out three times a week, but then I don't want to go hit it more. Cause you know, this is part of the process that I'm in. Then it becomes meditation, you know, meditation I can do every single day. And just, I can tell my energy shifts when I, take some time to meditate where I've not done that until this year also like ever Mm -hmm. in my life. And so that's been a a powerful process for me, but what, 
what have you found that either you do or that other guys do that are healthy outlets for, you know, if a guy's kind of struggling to think of like, what else could I do? That's good. Yeah. Always getting on into nature. Yeah. Um, another one for me has been journaling. Um, and you know, journaling truly is a form of therapy. And once again, it comes back to forcing yourself to verbalize your emotions, you know, putting words to those emotions, if it's on paper, if it's to a friend, if it's to a therapist, it is incredibly powerful. You know, you force yourself to explain what you're feeling and why you're feeling that way. Um, so journaling, uh, meditation, uh, lifting or any type of physical activity is, is certainly one that's always been there for me. Um, I still compete in Olympic. I just can't let go of it. You know, it's <laughs> being a football player, it's just sure. kind of drilled into me, but, sure. um, those are big ones. Um, I think any form of uh, any kind of artistic hobby is, is great, whether it's drawing, sketching, painting, tying flies, um, you name it, uh, woodwork, you know, um, all those type of things, um, landscaping, working on your yard, you know, it's a healthy outlet. Um, you know, working on your car. I mean, there's a million of them, you know, so it's finding a few that you can fully engage in and be engrossed in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I had something in my mind that you were talking about, um, as healthy outlets and it escaped me. Wasn't journaling, was it? Uh, it was journaling. Thank you. Uh, that's <laughs> awesome. It was journaling. Why I don't personally enjoy journaling is because I can't write fast enough. My, you know, it's like, I, yeah. I can't write fast enough to get my thoughts out. And for me, it's so funny that you're like, Oh, it's journaling. Um, was that I started this podcast, uh, two weeks before COVID and it, and I still struggled through COVID. Um, first, first couple months, two or three months, I was like, oh, this is great. This is great. This is actually <laughs> yeah. kind of nice to. I think we all were. <laughs> yeah. To like, oh, I can, it's like a vacation. And then I yeah. start getting that. And then I started going down into uh, a scary place for me personally. But just being able to vocalize my thoughts, you know, three times a week and consistently have, I, I literally, you know, said this is kind of like my audio journal. So what I found though, that I was doing even before the podcast over the last several years with that. I, like if I didn't have anyone and I just needed to get it out, I would just record it into my phone oh. as a voice memo. So yeah. that was helpful too for guys that, again, that just, I just don't write fast enough to like, I get agitated. I get like anxious. I, I need to get more of it out and it's not right. happening fast enough. You know, I I've typed too. I've typed for journaling. Um, same That's kind of thing for sure. faster for sure. You know, um, I, I wrote this long email to, before I went to therapy, I wrote this long email to my therapist and, you know, it was a couple of pages long, man, looking back on that email now and the way that I talked about myself and the way that I know so many men talk about themselves, um, in their head, I can't believe it, you know, just how negative I was towards myself and, you know, the way that I would describe myself is a way I say this all the time, but I would never say any of these things to a friend or a stranger or a coworker, but internally I'm just tearing myself apart, Yeah. you know? And, you know, if you're, if you're having those thoughts and you're struggling with those kind of things, writing them and then reading it is a bit of an, Oh shit moment, mm-hmm. you know, wow, this is how I'm talking about myself. You know, that's a sign. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, uh, there's a process, I think an old process in, um, gosh, was it, uh, I think it's from like men are from Mars, women are from Venus, I believe. Um, and ultimately he talks about like this, it's like an FU letter and you start off with like the anger mm-hmm. and then the hurt. And then, and, and, and it's funny how, when you go through those processes of like writing out and then ultimately, it's not even a letter that you end up sending. I wrote several, you know, I wrote one for my dad, wrote one for my mom. It's just, just to get it out. It was so healing, you know. Yes. But the old, the, the, the less mature version of me, again, I'm still warming up to things like breath work and meditation and right. all that stuff. It's like, oh, that's just, it's mumble, like, it's not natural. Shit. Yeah, it's yeah, like, it's, oh, it's, it's not, feminine, yeah. right? Or it's weak. It's like no, it's like it's not natural for how, you know, it, especially as like just a, 
a guy's guy or an athlete is raised. Cause we have, like I said, all these coaches who say, suck it up, like get back right. out on the field, you know? And, uh, not like, Oh, go, go write in your journal. Let me know how you feel. Like <laughs> I haven't had any of those mentors. No, right? no, no, I, I never did either. Yeah. <laughs> for, it's, it's funny bringing up the coaches and stuff too. I, I had a lot of contempt for some coaches in college, just frustrations towards my injury, you know, and, um, in my healing process, I, I wrote a letter to him who was never sent, mm-hmm. you know, but like you said, that, that alone, and, and that one wasn't even really, you know, it, it wasn't like the one I wrote to my therapist about, you know, how I felt about myself. That one was more of an anger yeah. kind of letter, you know, and that's also really powerful to let out um, when you have grudges towards people and, it's affecting you, you know? So I, I think writing or vocally um, expressing all those emotions, whether it's anger, whether it's depression, wh- whatever it may be, it, it doesn't matter. It's powerful. hundred percent. You have to get it out. Otherwise it just, it builds. Eventually it will come out just it will. Out in a way that you can control or that you're proud of um, versus a healthy outlet of yep. getting that stuff out. Right. Yeah. That's, that's pretty cool. Well, if we're talking about, um, just that uh, we talked about offline that the complex intersection between modern masculinity and mental health, how would you define modern masculinity? If I had to put you on the spot, <laughs> it's, it's a tough one, right? I mean, there's, there's so many movements out there today that, uh, that try to put down masculinity, you know, and, yeah. and try to say that, you know, masculinity is only toxic, you know, and, and, gender roles and being a male and being a man is a, is toxic. And, mm-hmm. you know, you shouldn't have these urges, you know, and, and you shouldn't feel these things. And the reality is that's how we're, that's how we're made. You know, there, it's not just by coincidence that men are more likely to deal with symptoms of a mental illness behaviorally and, and reach out and, and, and lash out. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just how we're made. And, you know, in terms of modern masculinity, I think it's, guys need to understand that it's okay to have these urges, you know, to want to fight, you know, to want to be aggressive, you know, to want to be a macho kind of guy. These aren't bad things to feel. Um, They're natural things to feel. And, you know, it's, it's, it's what we were made to do. We, you know, we were made to be hunters. We were made to be gatherers. We were uh, fighting, you know, all over the world for, for centuries. And, you know, that's, that's, that's our biological makeup. And so, you know, I think guys need to understand that, you know, those things are okay. It's, it's how you choose to deal with them, you know, in today's environment. And and it's confusing because we're not doing those things anymore. Right. So, you know, the definition of being a man and being manly, well, what is that now? You know, is that providing, is that uh, having a value of intrin- and true intrinsic self-worth, you know, um, it, it being the leader of a household, you know, it's not a bad thing, you know, and where so many of us have been brainwashed to think that way that I think men just need to realize that those urges are natural and they're okay. And it's okay to act out on them in a healthy way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think that's such a, again, a healing part of this process because for me when i when i first kind of like made some huge shifts it was at a tony robbins event my first tony robbins event and it was eye-opening to see the way that i felt like he was speaking to me and i was one of 4,500 people in the crowd you know and i'm like crying for the first time in you know years you know since my mom passed Mm -hmm. away and just feeling like he's speaking directly into my soul but then realizing he's not speaking directly to me, he's speaking to the whole crowd. And I'm looking around and realizing everyone's crying. Everyone's shaking their head. Yes. We're all like robots. I was like, okay. The, the first part of that healing was me giving myself the grace and the empathy to be like, okay, this is not just a fight that I'm, I'm doing on my own. Like this is what yep. we all go through. This is the human experience. Uh, if you're not willing to do the work, this is like, ground zero everyone's in pain everyone's barely surviving you know and we're all just taking out our anger on each other right there's (laughs) a lot of that there's a lot of that in the world right now with so much going on obviously politically and 
racially and just with the pandemic, there's just so much energy and anger and hurt and, uh, Yeah, finger pointing. Right. And I think that's a big part of it is just be like, okay, again, going back to the point of getting in proximity with your community is like, okay, he's going through something very similar. And I've not just, I've only just met that guy, you know, and this guy too, like, oh my gosh, we have these things that are, well, I can give myself the grace to say, you know, I've been doing the best I can with what I, with the tools that I've been given, but now I need to level up, you know, and find some other healthy outlets like we talked about of, of of seeking healing and that healing is possible which is kind of yep. cool to hear your story right to be like, all right here's a dude that is going through what, let's say that i'm going through and i can that the idea that healing is even possible is a wonderful belief to start to imbibe you know? it's huge yeah i mean i like, like i said earlier i didn't know i had something that could be fixed right mm-hmm. so once I realized how many other men were dealing with the same, that alone was so, such a release, right. You know, and such a relief Mm. Um, and realizing shit, I can take steps to actually make this better. Mm -hmm. Like that is such a powerful thing to experience for the first time. And it's a big part of what we do is empowering men to realize they can take steps to improve their life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that's, uh, again, all these things, when you, when you bring them together, create the perfect storm of progress <laughs> versus right. us staying in our silos, you know, staying in our craves individually and, and just going down, you know, the, the perpetual cycle of just getting worse and worse. Um, yeah, and that progress isn't linear, you know, it's, it's never linear, especially when you're dealing with mental health. I don't care if it's, you know, working out, if it's your mental health, I don't care what it is, like, it's up and down, mm-hmm. you know, um, for me, these things are never going to go away. You know, it's that I've given myself the tools to deal with them now, mm-hmm. you know, and I can recognize when I'm going down a path. Yeah. And I can take the steps to try and deal with it the best that I can. And that's what's lacking for so many men is, the awareness that they are feeling these things, that they are experiencing these things, um, the belief that they can improve them, um, and the knowledge on how. Right. That's like the, yeah, the, the, uh, trifecta, if you yeah. will, you know, yeah. it's like, got to have those three things. Otherwise, a lot of times we, we leapfrog over and we just go to the how, I'm like, how? Right. I don't know how, and I can't even begin to imagine that it's even possible, so I won't even try. Right. And that's, that's how we start with awareness, because with, without awareness, nothing else is going to happen. You know, if, if you're not aware that you're experiencing symptoms of depression, anxiety, bipolar, you name it, substance abuse, um, then you're never going to be able to take another step. You know, it has to start with awareness and recognizing these symptoms. Totally. Totally. Um, when we're looking at like Colorado's and, and just the States in general, in terms of mental health, you know, um, what are some of the statistics? I don't know them off the top of my head too much, but just, I know you said four, four times. I thought it was more like six times, just more men, you know, committing suicide than women, you know, Mm -hmm. um, what are some other, you know, not so much statistics, but, but, you know, information that supports why this is such a, a, a needed conversation to have. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, there's, you know, it's, it's fascinating. Um, there's, there's a lot out there in terms of statistics and men's mental health journal is releasing a six part series about the silent crisis of men's mental health right now in this country. Um, and how as a nation, um, what we need to do to change it. And, you know, it's fascinating, but, you know, some of the statistics, um, you know, a man kills himself every 20 minutes in the United States, uh, which is absolutely insane when you think about it. Um, over 6 million men suffer from depression every year. Uh, the vast majority of them are undiagnosed. Um, in the state of Colorado, uh, 83% of suicides are men. Um, we are well above the national average. We are in the top five for the highest rates of suicides for men. Um, 90% of suicides 
uh, or someone that are struggling with a undiagnosed mental illness or substance abuse uh, issue or a combination of both. Mm -hmm. um, as I mentioned earlier, the average time between experiencing symptoms and getting help is over a decade. Um, so, you know, and we, we just don't get help. I mean, it's less than 20% of people treated are men. So, um, you know, that's where the awareness piece is so big. Um, and then providing the tools and, um, we have a tool on our website called the head inspection test. And, um, what that is, is a 20 series, 20 questions, just asking you kind of about your daily routines, habits, how you're feeling. Um, at the end of it, it tells you what you're at risk for, you know? So, if you're listening to this and you're saying, oh, some of that sounds familiar, you know, I, some of that negative self-talk, you know, um, I've been kind of depressed or uh, the stress of work's been a lot lately, go take the test on our website and it'll tell you, hey, depression, you're at significant risk or anxiety, you're at low to moderate risk. And from there, if you want to get help, it even takes you to a directory of therapists that specifically work with men all across the country, mm. you know, so... Um, yeah, a lot of stats. Um, and you know, what's cool, we were talking about this the other day is we're seeing more and more organizations that are trying to help men. Mm -hmm. Um, and in the state of Colorado, we're working towards a collective of about eight different groups that mm -hmm. take different approaches to help men. And the, the end goal for all of us is preventing male suicides, right. you know, and, and improving qualities of life. Mm -hmm. Um, and we're seeing groups do this from all different angles, you know, and that's what we need. You know, we need men to have more options because prior to the last five or so years, there haven't been any options, you know. Um, but if a guy can say, oh, there's a fishing group that tackles this stuff head on or, you know, there's a monthly men's group that tackles this head on or. Um, you know, there's a, a mountain biking group that, you know, talks about this stuff. The more options we can provide guys, um, you know, in terms of our country as a whole, the better. Completely agree. Completely agree. And I think the challenge, too, is uh, when guys are by themselves and they're not reaching out, you know, I, I imagine there's a lot of guys um, – who would benefit from hearing this type of conversation who, who won't because they're not right. out there proactively looking for podcasts or YouTube videos or books to read or groups. Yeah, to they're join. not searching mental health podcast, you know, <laughs> no, 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 which, which is why I feel like it's, it's on the guys that do do that to actually step up and share and be like, Hey bro, uh, there's something in this podcast that made me think of you check it out, you know, yep. um, nothing more than that. Right. I'm, I'm constantly getting those from my buddies. Cause that's kind of the, you know, the buddies that I have, but right. I imagine if you, if you don't have those type of buddies that takes time to, to create that type of friend group, you know, it, so. it does. And, and that's why we use fishing because, you know, fishing is such a, so many men for decades, centuries have used fishing, you know, as a healthy outlet. And it's, it's not intimidating, right. It's, Hey dude, uh, there's this really cool fishing group and you know, you mentioned some things you've been struggling with lately. You should check them out, you know, uh, explore their website. You know, they have a bunch of tools. So that's a big part of why we use fishing is because it's a non intimidating way to, to approach the conversation. Um, and we run targeted marketing ads with one of our partner groups called man therapy, a really cool group also based here. Um, and they use humor. They use kind of a, a guy that's a mix of like Ron Burgundy and Ron Swanson from Parks and Rec, you know, yeah. just making light of mental health a little bit. Yeah. Um, but, you know, groups like them and groups like us, we're trying to target those guys that aren't willing to have those conversations, mm -hmm. you know, that mm -hmm. still think it's kind of a sissy thing to do because these are the guys that are taking their lives. Mm -hmm. And these are the guys that are in public shootings. You know, it's, it's the guys not willing to have these conversations that right. think they're macho. So, you know, we target guys that through really complex AI, I don't even know, I'm not a tech guy, you know, but that are at risk for depression or suicide that lean towards the outdoor space that are typically more manly. You know, we reach, we try to reach those guys, mm -hmm. you know, and, and kind of make light of it a little bit, you know, and use a little bit of humor and, and we don't have to make this conversation so serious all the time, you know, like right. it, it's, 
it, yes, it's serious, but like we can have fun with it and, you know, we can make fun of ourselves and, you know, it, it's just the, the whole, just, uh, I don't know, just the feelings towards mental health discussions, you know, we're trying to change it. It, it makes me think too of uh, one of my favorite books is called Essentialism by Greg McCone. And he talks about it. Um, it's kind of sad as we first started this conversation about dogs, but you know, they talk about that. Uh, I forget who did it, but that's experience about kind of learned helplessness. You know, they've had like three, three different groups of dogs and one group of dogs got shocked. Well, two groups of dogs got shocked one, one group had a lever that could turn the shocks off. One group had a lever that didn't work and the other group of dogs didn't get shocks, right? Then they took all the dogs, put them into a bigger box with this divider that dogs could jump over and they shocked, you know, they started putting shocks through the floor of that one box. All the dogs that either could turn off the shocking or didn't get the shocks in the first place all jumped to the other side that was safe. The other dogs that didn't have a lever that worked just sat in misery, just kept getting shocked, you know, right. which is, it's a sad example to, to use. And yet it kind of gives an example, I think, of what we do as humans as well, which is like, mm-hmm. sometimes I feel like, especially guys who are, man, they're, they're steeped in it, man. They, they've just had maybe decades. They just can't even imagine a life where they're not constantly getting shocked, you know? Right. And, That's how I was. Yeah. 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 It's like they... So, so hoping again, is like, sometimes you have to look at your buddies and, and those that I feel like are listening to this type of podcast are coming to a meeting of men of mine who are doing something with your organization or just something in terms of uh, aware of men's mental health. They're going to, we need to be leaders is ultimately what I'm saying, such that we're going out and looking for the cues, which really isn't that hard, right? It's guys that are kind of like, they stop communicating on text like bro where you been i haven't seen you in a while it's like uh you know it's like it's yep. it's not too hard to at least check in like you said and ask like hey man how are you how are you actually doing mm-hmm. you know? and then create that that empathetic place to to receive and not necessarily go to fix a guy but just be there to to listen right exactly yeah just knowing that that's available and yeah. you know it's <sighs> talking about modern masculinity you want to talk about courage Courage is calling your friend and saying, Hey buddy, I know I've noticed you've withdrawn lately, or I've noticed this, how are you doing? Or I've noticed that you've been drinking a little bit more lately. You know, that's, that's courage, you know? And, um, one of the most proud moments I've had with this organizations is, um, yeah, we had our first retreat this past April and we had our second one a month or so ago. And, we had five participants, two of those turned into volunteers at the next retreat. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of them called somebody that he noticed during the retreat, having some issues. And he had that talk mm-hmm. and, you know, he asked me how to have it. And, you know, I gave him advice, but picking up that phone and calling your buddy and saying, Hey man, I noticed some stuff, uh. you know, I noticed you were drinking a little a lot, a lot more than you normally do. That's hard, you know, and that takes strong, brave men acting as leaders, you know, Mm -hmm. to help other guys. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But, but what's, it's, what's required, you know, um, I did a podcast even earlier this morning and the guy talked about how one of his buddies, uh, when he was working in investment banking, you know, killed himself and left a a one-year-old daughter, you know, so uh, again, that's just ultimately that just leaves uh, the next generation potentially with mm-hmm. the torch of having to do the mental health stuff <laughs> because having mom or dad, you know, right. not, not, you know, really show up in one way or another, whether it actually physically or just emotionally, you know, committing suicide is like, uh, you're just, you're kicking the can to the next future generation, you know, mm-hmm. that's, that's what I'm working towards, you know making sure that we're taking responsibility as men to, to, to take care of ourselves. And thus then the ripple effect out is blessing other generations and other people, right? The whole community, the whole world. It is. Yeah. And that's, that's why our mission starts with improving all lives because of that ripple effect you just mentioned, you know, um, better men make better communities, you know, 
they make better spouses, they make better parents, they make better friends, coworkers, um, mm-hmm. you know, our mental health impacts everyone. Amen. Amen to that. Well, we can certainly keep chatting. Uh, I know we will. This won't be the, the first and only. Uh, I know I'm going to nope. have you as a speaker <laughs> at my local men's meeting, and we'll have to grab coffee here or, or something like that in person uh, sure. or go fishing, you know. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you, bro, so much for, for being on. And guys that want to get involved, want to go on a retreat, want to connect with you, want to get just more information, tell, tell the guys how to t- kind of connect with you. Yeah, so our website's really simple. It's just fishingthegoodfight.org. Um, so we've got tons of resources on there. If you want to learn how to have a conversation with a buddy you're concerned about, if you're concerned about yourself, um, we sell hand-tied flies that are the highest uh, quality, uh, in our opinion, in the industry. So all the proceeds from our flies uh, go directly towards our programming. Um, donations you know, are really how we survive and uh, we have a scholarship fund to make these services available for men that can't afford it. So uh, that's where donations go towards. Um, and uh, we're on all social media platforms. So we're on Instagram, Facebook, um, LinkedIn. Um, feel free to shoot us a message anytime. We, we always reply um, and uh, we're, we're happy to talk or, or lead you down, down the path. That's beautiful. Well, I think it's such an important thing. And like you said, I mean, even though we live in Colorado, it's not, you would think then with that great outdoors that we would be one of the healthier States and you would, not, you know, yeah. so it even goes to show you, even with it in your backyard, doesn't mean that guys are utilizing it, you know, Correct. So yeah. that's why we got to keep putting the word out. So anyways, man, thank you. Thanks for being on the oh, podcast. Thanks, thanks a for, bunch. Yeah, man. Thanks for sharing all the good stuff that you're up to. I'm just really privileged to, to have, cross paths with you and know this is the beginning of uh, a lot of good things working together and just helping guys you know yeah exactly so yeah and thanks thanks for all you do thanks for having me thanks for letting me uh share our message and and what we're doing in the community so yeah 100 percent. i always love that i think that uh that's what we can do as leaders right so everyone Thank you for listening. Uh, whether you're a man or a woman uh, listening to this, if you know of someone that could really use some support and they're going through some, the, they're fighting the good fight of, you know, mental health issues, uh, pass them along this, this podcast episode. Push them towards fishingthegoodfight.org. Uh, have them connect with, with Jennings. Whatever the case might be, just get the word out because uh, it could very well save a life. So Jennings, thank you again, brother. All right. Thanks, Johnny. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll catch up soon on another episode of the Becoming Kings podcast. Have a great day. That's it for this one, and I want to thank you for listening. Hey, if you got some good ideas from this episode and you want more, please feel free to subscribe to the podcast. And if you think others may benefit from it also, share it on social media and tag me in your post so I can say hey. It would also mean a lot to me if you felt inclined to write a review of the show on Apple Podcasts, since I read every single one of them. And if you've got any questions or topics that you'd like to recommend, or really just anything that you think I could improve upon, man, I thrive on constructive feedback. So hit me up with an email at podcast at johnnyking.com. Oh, and feel free to also subscribe to my YouTube channel, connect with me on LinkedIn, Follow me on Instagram at Johnny King and on Facebook at facebook.com backslash Johnny King Men's Coach. Thanks again for joining me. I'll catch you next time.